I was 25 and realized that you couldn't just wake up every day and automatically feel happy. Happiness wasn't just a given. And I think that mindset almost led Bumble to finding me and me to find Bumble. I was presented with this amazing opportunity. I knew this would never, ever happen to me again. So run with it. Like better to try and fail than not try at all. I think anxiety, stress is something that's always been a big part of my life. But I guess I hope if anyone else experiences that, I'm proof that... You can still have a a great life. And a a high-pressure job Mm. and just work out ways to manage that. Welcome to the Seize the Yay podcast. Busy and happy are not the same thing. We too rarely question what makes the heart sing. We work, then we rest, but rarely we play and often don't realise there's more than one way. So this is a platform to hear and explore the stories of those who found lives they adore. The good, bad and ugly, the best and worst day will bear all the facets of seizing your yay. I'm Sarah Holloway, or Spoonful of Sarah, a lawyer turned fun entrepreneur who swapped the suits and heels to co-found Matcha Maiden and Matcha Milk Bar. Seize the Yay is a series of conversations on finding a life you love and exploring the self-doubt, challenge, joy and fulfilment along the way. Hello, beautiful people. As I mentioned in the very first episode of Seize the A, while leaving corporate to start a business has been my personal way to A, I'm very conscious that this definitely isn't the case for everyone. So some people find dream jobs in amazing companies, others find their yay outside of their work altogether. So from the outset, I've been curating our list of amazing guests to cover all kinds of yay, and I'm always aware not to just push one single pathway to joy and fulfillment. But recently, a lovely follower was kind enough to give some feedback Feedback and mentioned just that so far things have been a little bit skewed in favor of business people, which is absolutely true. So I just wanted to reiterate that that hasn't been by design. We have some wonderful stories of people finding dream jobs and staying in those roles, but timing so far has just worked out that we haven't been able to record all of those yet, perhaps because business ownership by its nature lends itself to a bit more flexible scheduling. So to kick us off, the first intrapreneur of the year literally landed her dream job two years ago and hasn't looked back. Michelle Battersby is an amazing example of how you can leave the corporate world, but not necessarily to start your own business. Although technically, as you'll hear, she did have to start a business from scratch. Michelle started out as a competitive rower with her heart set on the Olympics, but ended up studying arts and then a master's in HR once she realized how much she was sacrificing for her rigorous training. She entered the workforce with Citibank and spent several years climbing the corporate ladder in banking, getting a job later at UBS, returning to Citibank, and then even ending up at PwC. But it's her latest role as country lead and marketing director of Bumble Australia that has changed her life completely when the opportunity landed in her lap just over two years ago. With no former experience, but an intuitive belief in her gut that this was her opportunity of a lifetime, she quit her job that day and has been building Bumble Australia into the wonderful community it is today. It's not just a dating app, there's also Bumble BFF and Bumble Biz, all based on the premise that the woman makes the first move, which is groundbreaking in the industry. She's an absolute hoot, and I'm so happy to have her here on the show to show you all that dream jobs really do exist. Hello, beautiful Michelle. Hello, I'm so excited about this. Thank you so much for joining me. Michelle was just saying before that she's done lots and lots of interviews, but mostly about Bumble and not about herself. So I'm so excited to be one of the first. Yeah, brace yourself. <laughs> you might change your mind. <laughs> <laughs> 
So I love to start with asking everyone what the most down-to-earth thing is about them. And I think, you know, in the social media world and our online digital personas, they can seem so intimidating and, and different from a distance to who we actually are. So to break the ice, what's something super normal about you? I'm so normal. Um, probably the most <laughs> normal thing about me is... I would have to say it's my relationship with my sisters. Um, I'm really, really close with both my younger sisters. One of our favourite things to do is to all get in the car together, do music manies, where we just basically drive around listening to R&B, dancing <laughs> and singing like idiots and then go through drive through McDonald's. Oh, my God, that's the best. <laughs> yeah, it's one I way to switch your mind that. off. <laughs> oh, totally. What good sister bonding. Yeah. Love it. What do you get from Macca's? What's your, like... Same typical? thing every time. Yeah. Double cheeseburger, 10-pack of nuggets with barbecue sauce. Oh, nuggets. <laughs> nuggets. I actually don't care for the chips. Really? Wow, yeah. controversial. Yeah, just the burger and the nuggets. Oh, see, I'm a sweet and sour sauce girl, though. Yeah, barbecue. barbecue, it throws a spanner in the works. Yeah, it does. I'm like, oh, yeah. I don't know about that one. Whole family's on barbecue. <laughs> what? Okay, yeah. it's a family thing. That's okay yeah. then. <laughs> All right, so the first segment is called Way to Yay, which is pretty much just explaining how you got to where you are today. But I'd like to start all the way back at the beginning. So I want to talk about young Michelle. So were you cool at school? Did you have an awkward teenage phase? I mean, you're so together now. You're stunningly beautiful. (laughs) But you grew up on the northern beaches in Manly. Yeah, yeah, grew up in Manly. I was always really into sport. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that I was born into, (laughs) I I was almost born to be competitive, I think. (laughs) Um, It was something that I loved uh, from as young as I can remember. Mm -hmm. I genuinely grew up believing I would be an Olympian. So my, That's so cool. Yeah, I think – so my parents were both pretty good athletes mm-hmm. and I think when you grow up seeing that, it seems so attainable. Like yeah. if you've got an Olympic medal in your house – that's not weird to you. That's just like, oh, I can, okay, I can go do that as well. Were they Olympians? Yeah, so my dad's got an Olympic medal. Oh, um, my gosh. And my mum has, they've both got like a few world championship medals. Interestingly, actually, so my mum and dad are both were both rowers. That's how they met. And um, my mum was a lightweight rower. And women, like female lightweight rowers, didn't go to the Olympics when she rowed. So, really? Yeah, only males. So she went to the World Championships, probably would have gone to the Olympics, but she oh will, she'll gosh. like me throwing that in. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. So that's, you know, why you've come out with girl power kind of yeah. right through your blood. Wow. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. That's so cool, though. Yeah, so I was really just really into sport, and that's all I focused on at school as well. I moved schools when I was in year 11 for rowing, actually. Um, to go to a school that was really good at rowing. Pimble Ladies College? Yeah. So at the time, that was kind of the school you wanted to you wanted to beat. Um, so I didn't beat them. I just joined them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, and that's, yeah, that was my key focus. I don't think there was any sport you could do at school that I didn't do. I wouldn't have even got into uni if it wasn't for sport. I got extra marks for kind of sporting achievements and I wouldn't have got into the degree, like the degree I wanted to do if I hadn't have got those. Wow, that's cool. Yeah, so academics fell to the side (laughs) for me. Um, But yeah, just competitive, sporty, spent a lot of time with my family and yeah, grew up up by the beach. So I think um, pretty normal childhood. Yeah, amazing. Yeah. And did you think that you would end up as a career sports person? 
I did. I actually thought I would be, I literally believed I'd be an Olympian. That was all I thought about. I trained, I used to train like 12 times a week. I got a scholarship for rowing to Sydney Uni. So I rowed at uni. I ended up being quite a weird weight though to be ultimately really competitive. So I was in a, I was put in a lighter weight category. I had to hold my weight on 59 kilos and I'm nearly six foot. So that's, that was <laughs> challenging. challenging yeah. um, and that took, that suck a lot, sucked a lot of the enjoyment out of it. Um, yeah. So that's why I ultimately ended up giving it up. But I actually had to see a counsellor when I stopped because I saw it as such a big failure and I'd genuinely believed it so much. So mm. it was like relearning what my purpose was and not having such a controlled lifestyle where you've got coaches kind of dictating what you do every day or someone asking you what your weight is. So mm. it was a transformative period, I think. I would have been about 21, so still pretty young. Mm. Um, but, yeah, then I finished uni, stepped into the real world, the corporate world, and quickly, <laughs> I quickly did move on from that. <laughs> and like to hope I've got a bit of muscle memory left just yeah. carrying me along. <laughs> it's so funny that you say that because I had um, my fiancé Nick on a couple of weeks ago and he was an elite athlete as well and reached that same stage where he, injury just stopped him going any further and he was born in, you know, an off year for the Olympics, which is it's yeah. only every four years. If yeah. you peak at the wrong time, you know, it's really unfortunate. But that reframing of your mind to to learn that you have another purpose and to learn how to do life without that being your singular focus and having everyone around you focus on that. It's really tough yeah, to yeah. adjust and, and understand who you are outside of that. Yeah. It was, it's always been interesting for me when I quit, my parents had never pressured me or anything because they'd, you know, done what they needed to achieve. But it was once I quit that my dad was like, oh, it actually took me five years longer than it was meant to, to finish my degree. And these are all the things that I sacrificed. And this is kind of how hard that really is. And I think because I'd seen it as being so attainable, Mm. I'd never really realized how much I was going to have to sacrifice for it. Mm. And so at uni, you did arts and then a master's in HR and industrial relations. Yeah. And did you think that that was going to be, I mean, you did end up in HR, but how, yeah. how did that, how did you refine your focus? So I did a Bachelor of Arts and at the end of it was like, what the F do I do with this? <laughs> yeah. I've got, it's pretty broad. <laughs> I've got to do something else. Um, and my majors were just a fluke. Like I think I'd just randomly done all the right subjects. I wasn't really focused at uni and it was actually my dad who suggested HR He thought, you know, I was good with people and HR is dealing with a lot of people uh, problems. (laughs) So (laughs) I did a master's in HR and industrial relations and I actually loved it. That was the first time that I'd honestly really applied myself academically. I felt like a master's degree teaches you a different way of thinking. You're not just taking someone else's theory and regurgitating it. You're reading and researching and drawing your own conclusions. Mm. Um, And I loved that way of thinking. So when I did get my first job, um, I got an internship at City. I did feel like I had found something that I loved um, because I liked those kind of challenges. I liked dealing with people. Um, And I got to work in an investment bank with all these really smart people and (laughs) I was never going to be a banker. So (laughs) it was a good way to get into kind of a high performing kind of industry. And then you spent five years in corporate banking, is that right? So you were at Citi and then at UBS. Yeah. um, And then you got a job at... A third bank? I went back to City actually. Oh. Yeah. I went back to City for another job and then I decided maybe banking wasn't for me. So... 
I'd spent about four years in banking, three or four, and realized "Mm, I don't think I'm really passionate about this. So the wheels were kind of starting to turn in my head about (laughs) what I was going to do for the rest of my life. (laughs) Um, I was sitting at my desk thinking, I don't think I can do this for 30, 40, 50 years. Who knows? So I decided to step out of that industry. Huge change, PwC. Not not a big change at all. (laughs) Um, Probably at the time it seemed (laughs) radical. (laughs) Yeah, but um, it didn't really help. I think that that year for me, was like a pivotal time in my life and I often look back on it and it taught me that you can completely change your direction Mm. like Bumble came a little later on but I had started to change a lot of things in my life I I was still living at home I'll admit that there's a down to earth (laughs) thing or just (laughs) slow or lazy I was still living financially savvy financially savvy yeah that's a better way (laughs) so like I moved out of home I got out of a seven-year relationship, I changed industries and just completely changed my outlook on life. And I was 25 and realized that you couldn't just wake up every day and automatically feel happy. Happiness wasn't just a given. You're an Mm. adult, you've got issues, there's a big bad world out there, like what are you going to make of it? Um, And I just started to look at everything in a completely different light and trying to explore what was going to work for me. And I think that mindset almost led Bumble to finding me and me to find Bumble. Yeah, I definitely think I love everything that you said so much. That's so the essence of what this whole podcast is about is that yay is something that is a a process. It doesn't no one wakes up one day in their life and is like, oh, I'm living my dream life. It's something you cultivate. It's an everyday effort. And it starts, you know, maybe years before the actual dream life hits you yeah it's something you start agitating for and it starts with a tiny feeling exactly and it's that moment where you wake up and you go I want to be on purpose I don't just yeah. want to be on autopilot every day which is fine I mean like you don't have to be unhappy to make change you can just be kind of coasting but yeah the people- and that was me like I would say I was coasting like mm. I was just comfortable but I had this gut feeling I've said this before but it's just so true I was sitting at my desk thinking there has got to be something else out there that I am better at than this. Like I am capable of more. This isn't it. I just know I'm better at something than what I'm doing right now. Mm. Um, But I didn't know what that something was. (laughs) Like I started exploring some very random pathways. Like I'd come up with a really lazy exercise program. So I was looking into how to become a PT. (laughs) Yeah. So I could just teach people how to do the bare minimum to kind of see results. That could go somewhere still. I honestly think it could. So I'm going to keep that program on lockdown. Yep, good. Um, This could be under embargo. Yeah. If I ever need a fallback. Yeah. (laughs) I definitely think, you know, I look back on my time in corporate and don't think it was a waste at all because I did spend most of that time just trying to figure out what I wanted. And you don't know that. You're so young. It does take a little bit of time for that feeling, that gut feeling to settle in. And you Mm. don't know what you don't like until you do it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think that corporate experience as well, and I'm sure you can relate to this, I found it very useful being in a huge company, a huge global company and seeing how that operates, mm. especially in a back office role, um, the kind of things that I was exposed to working in HR. It, <laughs> like it, taught, it definitely taught me a lot um, and I was kind of grateful to be in that environment that's so structured and regu- highly regulated mm. and then it was just like a... 
slap in the face (laughs) but a really brilliant slap in the face um to move to Bumble yeah so that's such a dramatic change yeah I do agree I'm such a big believer in the fact that you can't get what you don't ask for so if you start looking and putting things out to the universe it's funny how they find you agreed I genuinely believe that's how this happened yeah but how did it happen tell us (laughs) tell us the story so I started putting these wheels in motion looking into the fitness the fitness industry told a couple of people I was going to become a blogger. I don't know what I was going to blog about. I just started telling, talking to people really. Um, And I was talking to a friend of mine, Ray, and I do think her belief in me and her pushing me towards this initial conversation with Whitney is what led me to take it. So um, I had told a friend, Ray, that I wasn't liking my job. And a couple of months later, she texts me and said, you know, you're still not enjoying it. Um, I know someone and I really think you should talk to her. She started a dating app at the time um, in the US. I think it's going to be amazing. If I could do it, I would. I think you should talk to her. I'd only just really moved to PwC. Like I'd spent about seven months there. Mm-hmm. So I honestly was quite hesitant at first. I did. I had never heard of Bumble but I go- did a bit of Googling uh, and Whitney was really persistent. She's, she followed me on Facebook, sent me a few emails and I was like, okay, I'll, I'll get on the phone. So I hid in a meeting room and I spoke to her on the phone for about an hour and I just had, I just felt like we had this connection and it sounds so fantasy and mystical, but I just had, my, my gut was screaming at me. This is huge. This is going to change your life. This is going to change many people's lives. This is going to work. I believed in everything that she was saying. I believed in the messaging. I believed in her goal. I could relate to what she was talking about. You know, I'd worked in a huge corporate um, environment. I'd worked in a female-dominated department. Like HR is heavily female-dominated, but within a male-dominated industry Mm. that created a weird uh, culture that I didn't really like. So... I loved the idea of Bumble and empowering women and women not being threatened by one another and supporting one another, creating a safe platform for women to go after what they want. I could 100% relate to that. So I yeah, hid in a meeting room, called, <laughs> called my dad afterwards, and he was just like, quit your job. So I quit my job that day. <laughs> really? Straight after the conversation? Yeah, I quit my job that day. I was just like, I'm not, I, I just believed in it so much. I didn't think I needed to to think about it anymore. I just wanted her to know I was in. So stop your search because wow. <laughs> I'm going to do it. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's amazing. Yeah. And so she started as one of the co-founders of Tinder. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. And then went out on her own to do Bumble. Yeah. And for anyone who hasn't heard of Bumble, can you tell us just quickly, just for background? Yeah, so Bumble is a social networking platform. We've got a date mode, a friend finding mode and a business networking mode. Mm -hmm. And we are ultimately trying to end misogyny. We're reverse engineering traditional gender norms. And on Bumble, women make the first move. So the power is in your hands. If you match with a man, you have to initiate the conversation. And yeah, you're in control and can really take Bumble and use it for, for what you need. That's such a cool point of difference. I think a lot of people just, there is a bit of stigma around dating apps and I love that it distinguishes itself like with such a, a game-changing, industry-changing thing as having women being the only one who could make the first move. I think that changes the whole mentality that anyone would have using it, knowing yeah. that 
women are in control. Yeah, and I, I think from the like from that first day and that first conversation, I also just felt like it was always so much more than that. You know, we've got this amazing product. Um, and I have always felt, you know, if we can have one woman use Bumble and make the first move for the first time, you know, maybe that will lead to her making the first move in her in her day-to-day job, you know. Mm. Maybe she'll ask for the pay rise. Maybe she'll ask for the promotion just to back yourself. Um, and I felt like it has always been much more of a movement. And I think that, you know, two years on from, from my joining and kind of four years on from, from Bumble initially um, launching, I feel like I can see those changes in society. There's still a long way to go, but things like the Me Too movement and women really coming out publicly and high-profile women to support one another, we love seeing that kind of thing at Bumble and that's exactly what we have been, you know, trying to push and pushing Mm. um, for the past, yeah, two, four years. Yeah, Yeah. amazing. And you've said that part of getting that opportunity was kind of right place, right time and knowing the right people, but even then it's still not... A given knowing yeah. people these days isn't enough to get you by anymore so what do you think does make you stand out or did make you know Whitney see you as such a good candidate to bring a whole brand I mean if just in case anyone hasn't realized Michelle is the person who brought Bumble to Australia like there was no Bumble Australia you weren't <laughs> heading up something that was existing you know yeah. you're the country lead who has brought this business into a new market from scratch and built it to what it is now yeah. that was so, scary <laughs> so scary it honestly was scary so um I started a company to essentially launch Bumble here um, and that's how it grew um, its legs initially and really proved that Australia was a market you know we could uh, invest a lot of money in and that we were going to see great return here and I feel so fortunate that I had the support of Whitney and Bumble to do that because I learned so much in that first year um, even just little tax things and oh my god <laughs> but um, my experience in HR did I think definitely help with that. I honestly freaked out a while, a little while after whilst I was kind of getting everything in <laughs> Processing place. Processing what had happened. Yeah, because like you said, you know, Bumble was established in the US, but it wasn't established in Australia. So I felt a lot of self-induced pressure um, because I had quit my job, started a company and promised Whitney that I was going to launch this brand in Australia and that it was going to work. And then I'd also quit a really stable job, started a business. So I also had the pressure on myself to have it succeed. But I think I've always been um, an all-in kind of person. I've always thrown myself into the deep end. I guess with sport and everything, I've felt like I'm always used to being in high-pressure situations. But I put myself in a position where um, there was no option to fail. So I was going <laughs> to yeah. do absolutely everything I could to make sure it, it succeeded. Yeah. Um, but I do think just local knowledge of Australia and I felt very confident in my approach, like who I was going to pick as ambassadors, what brands we were going to partner with, what venues, like very grassroots stuff, but it all works and it mm. helps to position the brand in, in the way that it really needed to be seen in Australia and the challenge there was to break down the stigma of online dating so Mm. really to normalize the use of Bumble that was what I was trying to target Mm. initially Uh, yeah it's it's weird to think back that it worked because I think about myself two years ago and you know that saying knowledge is power yeah I've always thought is it though (laughs) I feel like naivety is power naivety is absolutely power (laughs) like the things I would ask and the deals I would try and cut and the discounts (laughs) I would go for and just that hustling kind of attitude and that can do and always finding a way Mm. that is what what did it I think in those early days and I think I was really fortunate to be 
you know, one of kind of the first people that they brought on board because I had a great connection with Whitney and Alex and Caroline and mm. Sam, you know, the first four people who started at Bumble. So I could really hear their story, what they'd done, take all of their knowledge and apply it to an Australian audi- audience. I think you're such a great example as well of the fact that you you can build amazing opportunities for yourself without having a full background in marketing to show them that you'd done it before or without, you know, without yeah. inside inside connections. You just connected with them or you connected with Whitney on a personal level and that was enough for her. Yeah. And I think people get really bogged down in like, I need to tick off these things before I'm even eligible. But it's sort of like if you position yourself right and you get the right opportunity and you go for it, it doesn't yeah. matter. You'd never done any of this before. You couldn't show her, I've done it for this brand and yeah. still you've been able to do exactly that I mean you've so strategically picked representatives of Bumble in Australia that you know are in relationships and have been able to push that message of it's a really really cool brand to be associated for all kinds of social networking exactly because yeah. everyone was hesitant at the start you know people were like oh what's this Bumble thing yeah. that's doing all these cool things yeah. I'm in a relationship that doesn't include yeah. me and even, then you, ch- you turned it around. Yeah, even hiring people. I mean, you know, one of the first things that I had to do was find a team. And the first five people that I asked said no. So that also <laughs> showed kind of the awareness of Bumble in Australia at that time, but also just how far I think this brand has come. Um, but also just for anyone out there who's like looking looking to make a change or has a gut feeling something's not right for them, I think also just to be open to opportunities and, mm. and to take them when they present themselves. But no, nah, I'm glad I'm glad you think that we've picked great ambassadors in Australia because I think we have. Yeah, <laughs> and really changed what people's initial reaction would be if they just heard, oh, it's some dating app. You know, anyone who's not single would be like, that's not for me. Whereas it is because there's Bumble Business that's been launched, there's Bumble BFF, like there's so many other ways you can use it and be associated with it that has been really strategically done and maybe because you haven't done it the way that all marketing people would do it. I love that. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't even know what a marketing (laughs) strategy, like I I don't know any, I don't know any theoretical term, marketing terms. Um, I'm sure what I'm doing somehow fits into a marketing textbook, (laughs) but I couldn't tell you under what category. (laughs) That's the best part though. I think that's why you're so interesting because you have done such an incredible job. I mean, I, when I first heard your title, like country lead, I was trying to, you know, put that in a box in my head of like, what does that actually mean? And even though technically that's not a founder, you kind of are. You've had to do everything that a business owner has to do when they start. You had to build the team. You had to build the message. You had to find the people to come and do the things and then get in the media. Like you've had to do everything I had to do at the start. I think honestly, that's one of the things that I admire most about Whitney and about Bumble and also a lot of the other um, senior leaders in Bumble now is we've all really been empowered and um, supported and may you know we they they really want us all to feel like we are mini CEOs and I hope everyone in my team feels like that you know there's complete creative freedom and we can come up with an idea and execute it and coming from a huge company to that and not having to go through all these lines of approvals and just actually go out there and do something mm. I think is just so unique and something that I definitely don't take for granted but even just Whitney's trust in me is such an amazing lesson in how to scale a business Mm. Um, and something that I try to remind myself of daily, you know, when we're looking for new people, hiring new people, when we're working with ambassadors, like you're not going to be able to reach more people and be able to scale if you can't trust people and if you can't identify 
which areas, even in Australia, you know, I don't know where's cool to go out in Adelaide and things like that. <laughs> so I'm going to make sure I find someone who does know that. Yeah. Um, just simple things like that. But yeah. they help enormously. I think it's so cool that there are businesses out there that if it's not, if there's not even, not even if you don't have the idea, but if you don't have the opportunity to start your own thing, you can be an entrepreneur. You can be an internal CEO. Absolutely. Those opportunities are everywhere. That's something even now with my mind, I feel like my mindset's changed so much over the past few years. And when I was in banking, I used to think, I honestly found it hard to kind of find someone who I could model my career off, you know? Mm. You kind of look for these role models or you put someone on a pedestal and think, I want to be like that. Mm. And I couldn't find that. But if I was to be in that, back in that industry now with my current mindset, I would just be saying, you be the role model. Yeah. Like, you be the first one to go out and do it. Yeah. Um, you pave the way for someone else. So, yeah. I think everyone has their chance to build their own personal brand or business within whatever structure they're working in it's just that most people don't realize that ability so I'm such a big supporter of like whatever it is that you're doing it doesn't have to be starting your own business but you can be innovative and create change from wherever you are absolutely you just underestimate the ability to do that absolutely and often leaders will be really receptive to that it's just that you've never tested them before they they love that and I think it's even um you know with your career like take it into your own hands drive your own performance conversation your performance reviews drive mm. your career development conversations with your manager M- managers respect that mm. I love seeing that if someone yeah. in my team comes to me and is like I think I can do x y and z and I want my job to be this regardless of what the decision <laughs> is I would be so supportive of that and just have that courage and back yourself like that mm. so in terms of being the country lead I mean obviously at the beginning there was a lot of business building building out the infrastructure and the team now day to day what is your actual role and how did you learn all those skills as well hiring and all that stuff. I mean obviously HR helps you but yeah. all the stuff that isn't related to HR how did you learn those things along the way um trial and error <laughs> gut <laughs> gut intuition honestly I think With Bumble, I felt like I was the demographic, I was the consumer, and I really understood the brand. Mm. So I applied a lot to myself. I had never been on a dating app. I'd never used a dating app before, and I never wanted to use a dating app. So my initial question was, okay, how do I get myself to want to be on this? And how do I position this as a brand that I think is really cool Mm. and that me and all my friends would want to be on? It was a lot of looking at, you know, what are the current brands in Australia that are really well respected at the moment? What are the brands that are being creative that we could partner with? Who is in the media and speaking out on female empowerment? Who's making a difference in their community and really tapping into those kinds of communities? Mm. Um, I mean, I, I, I think that <laughs> that backing myself honestly helped so much of it. And I did have, you know, those core relationships in the US that I could really always rely on, which helped so much and pull mm. from what they'd done. Yeah. But yeah, there was a lot of trusting yourself and I I don't know am I lucky it worked I'm not sure (laughs) I'm not sure you must be good at pitches (laughs) I think the best thing from my past experience was I went into banking at around 2021 and then I got a job that I didn't think I would get until I was quite a bit older so I was young and I was looking after my own department so I was going into meetings with the head of the trading floor and telling them why they could or couldn't do something. So I always had to have a lot of confidence Mm. and really a lot of it is that fake it till you make it. I would never show someone how how scared or unsure I was because who's going to believe you or trust you if you sound 
like you're not sure. Yes, um, totally. I think that helped in the early days because I was never intimidated walking into meetings. I felt like I could hold my own. Mm. I was so confident in the direction that Bumble needed to go in Australia. And, yeah, I, I felt like I got it. So every business needs a you. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> thanks. <laughs> oh, and so spend you- a day with me and that might change. <laughs> so, I mean, you guys have done some incredible things. You're also head of marketing and that's been just such a, an amazing story of how Bumble has shot to the to the forefront of everyone's minds. And there's been some super, super glamorous, fancy things like yeah. the Melbourne Cup, the Portsy Polo. But then I can also imagine like any business, there are so many unglamorous things along the way so what are some of both of those some of the most glamorous and exciting things you've done and some of the least glamorous things that have happened behind the scenes I mean I drag boxes full of merchandise down the hallways (laughs) of our co-working space weekly like I'm surprised we haven't been evicted I I think starting with starting from the beginning you could never kind of walk into that role and just expect that you're going to be doing press and not having to bump in and out of events so Mm. I've done all of the event packing like all of the posting I've done all I've done all the gift bags so much of that bumping in bumping out that's not really glamorous but it needs to happen and then yeah Melbourne Cup is glamorous on a brand level but on a personal level I I'd never be invited to that if if Bumble wasn't a part of it so I was honestly in shock that was surreal to actually nail that within the first couple of years Um, and I was so happy with how we executed that and all all of the people that came I honestly couldn't have hoped for Mm. for more really I I can't describe that experience I think I'm still in shock (laughs) (laughs) that's glam but there's also very like you wake up at 4am every day, lots of media, really on your game. I always want to make sure that I'm always talking to everyone Mm. who we've invited and things like that. So it looks very glamorous and it's so fun and I'm so grateful for that, but it's hard work as well. (laughs) Like drilling holes in the floor? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So there are a couple of moments on Melbourne Cup Day, as I'm sure everyone is aware, it was torrential, torrential rain. <laughs> and we had we had these amazing, huge hexagonal windows. And the rain just kept coming in to the point where our floor was starting to sink and everyone was about to arrive. So we had construction workers drilling holes to drain oh the water God. out and then just putting the couch back on top of them but I mean we were lucky because other marquees lost their electricity um I heard so I heard that might not be correct but um yeah good story yeah (laughs) Yeah. and you know to execute those kind of things you would have to have quite a significant budget so is financial budgeting and management a big part of your role or do you now have a team who does that? I manage our budgets. Yep. So that's my responsibility. Um, but I also can hustle. Yes. So, <laughs> I mean, I think that you, what we did at Melbourne Cup was amazing. And that was our first year. And, you know, we really wanted to see how creative we could be, test the waters, see what kind of a response we could get. Um, mm. So I was really happy with that. But, I mean, we do things from Melbourne Cup to I put stickers on Domino's pizza boxes and dropped them at universities. You know what I mean? Like, like yeah. you can spend $500 and do something amazing. We've done things for literally the tiniest budget and we've seen uplift in our registration. So yeah. it 
a brand, Melbourne Cup was all about national reach. Yeah. Um, but, but you can have a big impact yeah. without that. Yeah. I think that's so important because you do think sometimes that there are like X, Y, Z steps that you need to do to build a big business. And it's so easy to overlook the really lateral thinking options that are just like not requiring a million dollar budget. Yeah. You can have a big impact. Even with ambassadors and things like that, like build genuine, authentic relationships and educate people on why your brand is so amazing and then you end up with actual advocates for your brand and Mm. you might not really be paying you know these people like everyone thinks yeah yeah because (laughs) when you are fun to be around people want to be around you like that's the benefit and when your brand is amazing as bumble people want to be associated with it in the beehive (laughs) exactly (laughs) (laughs) all right so the next segment is called natia which is a little bit more of the nitty-gritty behind you know the success stories and it's the stuff that doesn't necessarily make it to social media Mm. even in our most real moments Often in the really, really tough times, you don't feel like posting. Yeah. Um, and I this think- is a big category for me, I think. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So what are some of the things along the way that have said nay to your yay? Um, so I have always suffered with really bad anxiety to the point where I actually don't know how it feels to not be anxious because I've had it my whole life. My hair, actually, I lost my hair when I was six. <gasps> From anxiety. Yeah. So I actually have patches on my scalp where my, the pigment on my scalp changed and my hair grows white from alopecia. Yeah. So I, I mean, even with, with sport as well, um, I've felt anxiety and stress. I've given myself viral rashes on my whole body, scalp rashes, viral meningitis, pharyngitis, like all of these physical reactions to, um, stress and anxiety. I think that's why I actually have liked high pressure situations because it's almost like a test for me and I feel like it's a way of channeling all this energy I have. Like I've always been quite an energetic person, always in a rush, went to school early, don't stop talking. I'm just a disruptive (laughs) person in class Um, and I think anxiety probably played a part in all of that. I'm the same. It's I think it's the craziest of us do the greatest things, but also are the craziest while we do it. Yeah. And, and struggle with that whole endless overthinking. It's very A type thing yeah. to just be in your head all the time. I am so in my head. Yeah, <laughs> me too. Um, and I guess, you know, with you as well running a business, you don't want other people around you to see that. I think yeah. I think it's really great to show vulnerability. Um and I definitely show vulnerability on a personal level, but not so much on a, a public or, pis- or business, business, <laughs> public or business level, um, because I think you've got to find ways to manage that. Like that is not the right time to show mm-hmm. vulnerability. Yeah. Um, it's so interesting that you said that because there is such a big move to it's trendy to be real and, you know, like be authentic and all those kind of buzzwords are a big thing, which is so great to see the move towards it. But then that kind of overshadows the fact that sometimes those moments aren't meant to be seen and there are yeah. times like in a boardroom where you don't want everyone to I'm know that you're having crying. a... Yeah. Yeah. My yeah. private panic attack within my body is not yeah. coming out right now. Like exactly. you need to keep it together in those moments. So there is a time and a place. Yeah. And I think that's why, you know, being authentic and taking care of yourself is so important. But I think it's um, also recognising those moments within yourself and knowing when to maybe that's when you need to take some time off or Mm. you need to switch off for a while. Mm. Um, I think I'm really fortunate with Bumble that they're so focused on mindfulness. I mean, 
we implemented a snooze feature where you can put the app on snooze and just say, I'm taking a holiday or I'm doing a digital detox. So we're always encouraged to recognize, you know, those moments and take a break or slow down. But yeah, I think anxiety, stress is something that's always been a big part of my life. But I guess I hope if anyone else experiences that, I'm proof that. You can still have a a great life. And a a high pressure job Mm. and just work out ways to manage that. I think that's one of the reasons why I... I've always been quite private. I'm like, I'm very, very open with what food I'm eating and like I post a lot of things, but I was always very, very private about those kind of things. And then I made a decision maybe two years ago to just talk about it. And I was like, is this like an overshare? Is this something that I want to keep to myself? Is it going to affect the business? But then I was like... I need people to know that it's not an either or. It's not, oh, I'm anxious. I can't do a a big, crazy job. I I can't have responsibility. I can't do big things. It's like, well, you can. You find your way. You find your balance. And I'd probably be more anxious if I wasn't doing something like this. Because you need to channel your energy somewhere. I'm exactly the same. I wouldn't know what to do if I... Did anything less. Yeah, Yeah, that would be worse. (laughs) I'd be in hospital. I think so too. I think so too. It's like activity is kind of a way to keep it at bay but if you just talk about it it can reassure so many people that they don't have to sacrifice achievement for the sake of their anxiety it doesn't have to control their life yeah so what do you do to kind of keep it at bay while you are going through such a busy lifestyle so I actually, I mean, I've set a couple of boundaries this year. I, I don't think I really had boundaries last year <laughs> yeah. um, or the year before. I was on a, I was just on a roll and I felt like I could do it. And then I, re- I, I look back on the year and I actually couldn't remember anything. Like yeah. I couldn't remember being in New York. I could not remember the launch of Bumblebeers and what we did. And I just realized I was probably skimming on the surface at a lot of these things because I was so focused on all the other things kind of going on in my life or my brain had moved on to the next event or something like that. So um, this year I actually have, uh, one of my new year's resolutions was to meditate every day. I've never meditated before. And as a anxious, highly critical (laughs) perfectionist, I've just always thought, nah, that's not for me. I'm not, mindfulness is not a thing that I'm ever going to have or a state I'm ever going to be in. So I'm just going to push that to the side. But I have been doing it and I wanted to do it as a personal challenge to see if meditating every day, how I would feel. And honestly, it's made a difference. Like I only do five to 10 minutes Mm. and I'm so competitive that I want to keep my run streak up. (laughs) I just do it on headspace. And so I like don't want to lose that streak Um, (laughs) because it it counts how many days in a row you've done. Um, And that is working. That's honestly working because it helps me switch my brain off. I just do it before I'm going to sleep. Like you're already in bed. What's five more minutes? And also with all the travel and things like that that I do, I set a boundary that I just want to be back for the weekend. So I don't mind if that means I'm taking a really quick trip, even if it's overseas, I just have to be back for the weekend so that I get that time to wind down and I can like set myself up for the week again. Yeah. And yeah. And like regroup before you go back to a week. Yeah. Yeah. That's such a good one. It helps. It actually really helps. Yeah. I'm actually like that where I used to think, oh, but then I'm going to have to like be in and out. Yeah. Just be be in and out. Just be in and out. (laughs) Just get home because the minute you get home is when you 
start and the more you delay the start of the unwind, like the longer it takes you to get over it. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, exactly. (laughs) I meditate as well and I was the same as you. I used to think there's absolutely no way. And I also used to think that it meant empty your brain. Yeah. And I will always be like, well, my brain's never going to be empty. But now I'm just like, it's not about emptying it because that will never happen. It's just about not putting any more in there. Mm. No new stimulation. Just let it fester. You know, you need to let your body catch up with your mind. Yeah. You need to let time catch up with itself and you can't really remember anything or let anything no. settle if you're not just letting it catch up and five minutes is enough yeah. to make a big difference. I will never be a half an hour, I don't yeah. think. <laughs> I went through we'll a phase see. of 20, 20 minutes twice a day. Did you? Because, Whoa. and it's so funny you said about the streak thing because I feel like half of life and achieving anything is just tricking your brain, knowing what your brain needs and then tricking it into doing the things that you want it to do. And competitiveness is another thing, yeah. particularly with myself. So I was like, if I go and learn this particular technique, which is 20 minutes twice a day, I will have spent X amount of money and need to make that worth it. But also you have to keep track of like when you do it. And I'm like, I don't want to have to write down that I didn't do it that day. Yeah. Like, yeah. Cause then I've let myself down and then my diary looks shit. Like it's not even. So, you know, like whatever you, whatever you need to do. I love that. What, what about self doubt? That's another really big thing I talk about. You know, we looked at that quote before doubt kills more dreams than failure ever will. And I think particularly when you're coming into an industry that you haven't lived in mm. or you know being qualified for it's yeah huge I I had such huge self-doubt in that period of quitting my job and then starting it all up again um, I remember having having a conversation with my mum and I just said you know what have I done <laughs> I can't do this I don't know how to do this uh, and definitely started to question everything and I made a few decisions back there and if I'd gone with my gut it actually all would have been far better than how it was. Like nothing major, but I just wish I'd trusted myself and, Mm. you know, don't let your mind kind of pull you into that space. Mm. I remember a teacher once saying to me, go with your initial response unless you read the question wrong. And I always think about that. So I try not to look back on decisions that I've made. I just always go with my initial thought. And when I try to change my mind, I literally say to myself, but did you misunderstand that? And if I didn't misunderstand that, then I don't change what my initial response was. That's such a good one. I don't know if that's right, but it seems to work. (laughs) So... Yeah, I think self-doubt is huge and I think that, that that's something that a lot of people will, will deal with. But I do think it is a lot of mind games. Like just go mm. with your initial reaction. Your gut feeling's always right. You know, if something feels right, it generally is. If something feels wrong, it generally, generally is wrong. Mm. And none of this like rethinking, revisiting yeah. that all the time and doubting your own, just go with it. Yeah. What's the worst that could happen? Yeah. And also I felt like the only thing I have to lose here is my own pride. Yeah, which Le- is not a bad scenario. Yeah, in yeah. Re- in reality. Yeah, like yeah. I've I took a bit of a taken a bit of a chance. I was presented with this amazing opportunity. I knew this would never ever happen to me again. Mm. So run with it. Like better to try and fail than not try at all. Totally, such a good quote. I love that one. <laughs> There's my quote. <laughs> Tick. <laughs> and what about you know going from corporate where you can be quite anonymous like in the world generally, uh, to what's very public and media focused and, um, you know, your personal profile, you become quite sought after as a person as well as through the business. 
Do you find that that creates a lot of pressure for you to like always have the right outfits when you're out or always say the right things or always, you know, be connected? Like, do you find that a bit of a drainer or does it stress you out? Does it fuel the anxiety? At first, I was so scared doing um, like public, I guess, public appearances, even speaking on panels and doing press. But again, it was like that was a split second of my time and then there's no time to feel that fear anymore. Like you put on a brave face, you know you can do it. I've always felt honestly so supported by my man, like my manager Louise is amazing. We've got an amazing um, uh, PR lead over in the the US and even Whitney, when I ever get into those those states where I am not sure if I can do anything, Mm. I will just text one of them. It doesn't matter what time I can generally (laughs) find someone in the US or the UK who is awake and just tell them I'm freaking out about this panel I'm about to go on. (laughs) Here's one question that I'm not sure about and they'll always come back to me and tell me that I'm going to kill it and that I'm so good at this and that Mm. you've got this and just hearing those kind of things always puts my mind at ease because I guess being the country lead over here, I don't really have anyone to turn to in the country mm. so I have always maintained quite strong relationships with my my manager in the UK is definitely a huge one mm. uh, just to remind you of who you are and what you're good at and yeah. what you're capable of um, and I think that makes a huge help just making sure that you've got a really great support system yeah, totally. around you and one thing that I've always felt at Bumble that I was definitely searching for was particularly women, but just working with people who genuinely want you to succeed and believe in you. Mm. I don't think it should ever be taken for granted when you find people like that because I've definitely had jobs in my life where I haven't felt like the person above you really wants to see you succeed. Maybe yeah. you are a bit of a threat, who knows? And um, I think that's one thing that I cherish with my time at Bumble and that I'm so so grateful for and that Mm. definitely helps uh flatten a lot of the (laughs) self-doubt yeah yeah and what about in terms of like your image do you feel the need to be oh look at me you know You're I'm very trendy right I'm now. <laughs> but that's fashion in itself, babe. <laughs> Honestly, when I go to the the Bumble events, for sure, I need to be pro- like professional. I need to present myself well. But in my day to day life, I grew up on the beach yeah. playing sport. Barefoot. <laughs> yeah, I barefoot is my favorite thing. Yeah. I hate washing my hair. I don't like taking showers. It slows me down. Yeah. It is a waste <laughs> of time. I'm with you. I've never told anyone that, but I'm like, I don't have time. I hate it. If I can get out the door without taking a shower, I'll do it. Um, As long as I don't have an important meeting. (laughs) Honestly, I I try not to let that stuff get to me. I feel like my profile, and I feel weird even saying that, but my profile at the moment is to, I I want to empower women. I want to make women feel good about themselves. Mm. And um, I'm honestly not too caught up in my in my own image it's more about what I say and what I stand for mm. that um, I want to be recognized for and that I hope that's what anyone any of the few people who do follow me I hope <laughs> it's because they believe in you know what we're trying to do at Bumble and the change that we're trying to create in the world yeah 
and in between all of that, of course, burnout, I can imagine, oh. would be a big NATA. Yeah, very. <laughs> Since we're mirror images of each other and I'm just like, she sounds like she's inside my brain. <laughs> you know, the whole like anxiety but don't want to stop and kind of like you're, you punish yourself in a way. Yeah. Like, you know what's bad for you but you just do it anyway because it's good for the other side of your brain, which is like, I love this. I love creating. I love working. Yeah. So And all the travel. Like how do you rest yeah I am honestly kinder to myself when I travel I think because I know that's going to put a bit of pressure on me and I don't want to burn out so I I I don't eat healthily in day-to-day life like I'm a Macca's girl I I love burgers but I do exercise yeah (laughs) but when I travel I try to eat really healthy I'm straight onto vitamins I try to sleep I try to get into the time zone I'm going into as soon as I land and mm-hmm. I always try to go to the gym because I I try to create that routine as soon as I land yeah. and I feel like that really helps um, but I also think that's why I kind of put this weekend rule in just because I don't want to burn out and I think it's really important to go for a walk and listen to a podcast read a book catch up with friends even if it's only for half an hour, I feel better if I've given a friend a call and just spoken about something completely different yeah. um, and just balancing it up with, yeah, friends, family, getting outdoors. What about sleep? <laughs> What's that? <laughs> no, no, yeah. I don't know. I just heard it's something that people do. <laughs> um, sleep, honestly, I'm, I do think I'm pretty good like I would never be uh, under – it would be rare for me to be under five hours. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, what, what number is she going to say? Two? No, no I, it would be rare for me to get under five. Yeah. Eight hours is amazing for me. But if I'm doing my weekend rules, yeah. I know I can always catch up on sleep on the weekend and have like a 10-hour Yeah, okay, session. catch up. Yep. Yeah. So yep. I am pretty good at that. And I think that's another great thing with Bumble and being conscious of everyone's time zones. Mm. It, like it's okay if you get an email at 10 p.m., you don't need to reply to it you know everyone knows you're in a completely different time zone and everyone's really understanding of that yeah and so you mentioned before the things that you know hanging out with friends having a call so that brings us to our last segment which is called play ta and i think we do all define each other so much based on what we do who we work for what kind of work we do it's like here's my name, this is what I do, or you never really ask who you are or what do you like or what are your hobbies and you might eventually get there but I feel like we get really wrapped up in our professional identities. So I love to ask people, you know, what they do for fun. Where does your brain wander when you're not thinking about work if there's any time when you're not thinking about work? (laughs) I honestly, I don't think about work when I'm cooking because I am not a good cook. Okay. And I only started getting into it about a year ago, actually, and realized that I loved it. I thought I was anti-cooking, but it's I find it very therapeutic. It's a great way for me to switch my mind off. I've got to focus on the recipe yeah. and I love eating whatever I've cooked at the end. Yeah. So, <laughs> Such a bonus. Yeah. Like, such a rewarding activity. It is. It is. <laughs> um, so cooking is a huge one for me when I want to switch off. Yeah. I try to do that as much as I can. Podcast, like podcast books, my dog, yeah. Leia, she's so cute. Yeah, she's beautiful. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> so just getting outside with her, taking her for a walk. I feel like when you get a dog, it gives you another purpose. Totally. And it's like having a child. Yeah. I, I just <laughs> love her. Um, uh, so just spending time with her, that sounds so... Quality time. 
so weird. But yeah. Not at all. Not to other dog owners. Like, yeah. not at all. They're such a good mental health pill. You have to walk them. You can play for hours. They're just so happy yeah. all the time. Yeah. Just reminds you to be more simple. I know. I know. <laughs> it's, so, it's such like a simple thing and I honestly get such joy from it. Yeah. But yeah. I mean, I always – Manly's my place. It's where I grew up. Yeah. I love being there and just – Are you a surfer? No. Really? <laughs> I'm actually terrified of waves. Ooh, okay. I have I have an actual fear. I think something happened when I was like, Little. yeah, when I was doing nippers. Can't <laughs> can't get out the back. Terrifies me. Oh my god! Really good at floating in the shallows. Right. Okay. And tanning. <laughs> yeah. Good. Tanning's good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Toes in the water. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, do you watch TV? I'm huge on. Yeah, I've got a few Netflix shows oh, that I binge. Still. Uh, the bold type. Oh have, yeah. Have you seen it? Yep. Yep. And, yep. Great. Um, younger. Have you watched that one? No. Okay, everyone's got to watch Younger. It's one with Hilary Duff. It's about a forty-two-year-old woman who can't get back into publishing. She took time off to raise a child, and everyone's telling her she's too old. But she looks really young, so she pretends to be twenty-six. And Hilary Duff's her best friend in the show, and she gets a job at this publishing agency. It's it's really cool. Oh, that's awesome! I'm like a big crime person. Oh, I I love (laughs) I love crime too. Yeah, but dark crime, like how I survived. The more fucked up, the better. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. like, when I get interviewed for wellness things, people are like, so like, I don't have a TV in my room. We just don't own a TV. And I'm like, well, I binge on like hardcore murderers. Yeah, I, love <laughs> I just don't know what to tell you. <laughs> even just the um the case file podcast. Oh, oh my god. Me too. It's crazy. Yeah, they're but great. I'm, I figured like I just got over myself a couple of years ago. I was like, I like it. I'm just gonna stop pretending that I don't. Like, oh, I love them. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But in not like a no, not in, like a, in I a non-morbid way. Yeah. Like, in like a this is very interesting. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah more like a fascination. Yeah. Kind of way. <laughs> and so, what about dating for yourself? Oh, you have a Melbourne boy who's actually a manly boy yeah. who you met when you were doing nippers, or you did nippers together when you were younger, yeah. and then re met like years later. Yes, did I've you meet on Bumble? No, we didn't oh, meet on that's Bumble. Such a shame. But if well, because I, I met him before Bumble. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's okay then. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I've got a boyfriend, so no dating for me. But, I mean, if I was single, absolutely I yeah. would be on Bumble. Why? There's no other platform I'd be on. <laughs> yeah, of course. <laughs> me too. Yeah. No, we've got I, – I, I'm in a long-distance relationship, so – a lot of travel back and forth, but I think the best thing is uh, Bill, my boyfriend, does a lot of travel himself. Mm-hmm. So very clear expectations. We're both used to one another's schedules and it just works. So lucky in that sense. Yeah. <laughs> What's your ideal date night? Honestly, it would just be getting takeaway and watching a movie at yeah, home. Yeah, we're I'm the so same. Boring. We're the same. Just to be a bit of a slob <laughs> and feel comfortable being a slob around someone. Isn't that love? That's what love <laughs> is. Yeah. Oh, my God. Just to, yeah. yeah. We're, we're getting married in October oh, and I'm literally you? like, can we just go home the night after and yeah. just watch TV? Like, when can I take the dress off? Oh, that's so exciting. <laughs> yeah, really exciting. But also, like, I, but yeah, that I'm probably like, I have to get it. out of gym clothes. Like, what? Like, what is that? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Second last question is the three things about you that don't normally come up in conversations. Oh, wow. Okay. 
This my is question. so. This is a pr- pretty gross one. When, oh, I, when, my I, when I was ten, my um big toe got crushed under a car seat. My dad <gasps> put the car seat down on my big toe, and oh. it shattered the growth plate. My big toe never grew since. So I have this tiny little big toe. Oh my gosh. tiny little big toe. <laughs> wow. Yeah. I would show you, but you'll be like, <laughs> oh my god, show me later. That's I love that. You know, I love crime. That gory stuff it's, is amazing. It's just I was honestly so self conscious of it. My like growing up because yeah. it was just this toe. Now everyone will want to see the toe, but it's. I know now you've said it. All my Every friends will be laughing at you. There it is. Does it have a name? <laughs> you know what? The second toe has a name. <laughs> sisters every boyfriend I'd bring home my sisters would be like does he know about five mile we call the second toe five mile because it looks so long compared to the other one oh, that's so good oh god that's amazing <laughs> okay well that's two things five mile Victor, what's the third one um I am I'm allergic to codeine so I can't take painkillers <gasps> oh yeah that's right I also react to anesthetic as well like an agitated waker oh I, I'll like attack that doesn't surprise <laughs> yeah, me yeah. there's that energy yeah. you put me to sleep for three hours <laughs> nah. so I'm out <laughs> uh, and since I love motivational quotes so much what is your favorite quote oh I mean I do like the one that I said earlier about mm-hmm. better to better to try and fail than not not have tried at all yeah you know what I read a weird one the other day from Steve Jobs and I have never really had a healthy diet Mm -hmm. and he said treat food like your medicine otherwise medicine becomes your food and that's really stuck with me because I need to make a change in that aspect not so motivational but just to keep you thinking about yourself yeah it definitely like makes you have a a think about what you're putting in your body because I think we forget I, I mean I know I know logically of course, what you're eating is going in your body. But I think we forget that actually is our fuel. Like yeah. if you just treat yourself as a car, yeah. if you put shitty fuel in your car, it's not going to perform. But we, yeah. I don't think we make that connection yeah. often enough. And I mean, it's scary to think in that quote, you know, otherwise medicine becomes your food. I think that's just the harsh reality of it. But mm. you don't often get to thinking that far down the track. Yeah, of course. Yeah. We're, so, we're very now. Yeah. I mean, we don't have time. Yeah. We don't have time for showers, And we're babe, that YOLO so. generation, <laughs> you know? know? We are. Yeah. <laughs> Which doesn't help. No. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much. This was amazing. It was so great to have you. Congratulations you. on everything that you're doing. Thanks so much. Thank I've loved you. it. Oh, good. Can't wait to see what's coming next. Thanks. You will have to look out on my Instagram. I know. <laughs> Your profile. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure you can all hear how much fun I had recording this one. What an absolute legend. I'm so inspired by her confidence and openness about the big toe and her anxiety, and I'm sure many of you listening also share my admiration of Michelle and her story. Make sure you give her a follow at Michelle Battersby, which I'll link to in the show notes, of course, along with Bumble's page and website. If you liked what you heard, please do screenshot the episode. Do it now as you're listening and tag us both so we can see what you think. And if you get a moment to leave a proper review on the podcast app, I would be endlessly grateful. And thank you to those who have already voted in the Australian Podcast Awards. CCA is still in the top 10 and there's a few weeks to go to keep us there. So keep those votes coming. I'll include links as to how you can vote for that in the show notes as well. If you're interested in starting your own podcast, I've also written up a blog post on the equipment that I use as a couple of you have asked. So it's now live at spoonfulofsarah.com. Hope you're having an amazing week and seizing your yay.